this is Ashley and Maggie and you're listening to The Watering Hole, a place where animals and animal enthusiasts regularly drink. Every episode we'll talk about different animals and why they're cool, from basic biology to the threats they face and what people are doing about it, all while under the influence. Should we Should think? We... <laughs> it's supposed to let it clink. Our copper cups. <laughs> <laughs> They're not glass. Don't worry. Next season we'll upgrade. Ugh. It's just dangerous. That's not true. So I'm really excited for my animal tonight. Yay! It's an animal that when I first learned about it, it was one of those animals that was like, this is not real. Oh, This really? is not a thing. And then in learning about it, I was like, Every single time. Every I'm like, time. I'm doing it. I'm like, what? I didn't I didn't see this coming. Yeah. Um, so okay. uh, my animal is the maned wolf. <gasps> Do you know the maned wolf? Yes. Oh my god. Oh my gosh. I was con- actually they're on my list for animals I wanted to do. This is perfect. Yeah, I took it. <laughs> no, this is perfect. I'm so excited now. I love maned wolves. So their scientific name is <laughs> Crywos. Shit. This is our best part of the episode. Chrysocyon brachiorus. Nailed it? Nailed it. Um, so class Mammalia, order Carnivora, and finally family Canidae. So they're a canid. Mm-hmm. What canids do you know? What's what's a canid? Um, a member of the dog family right. for our lay audience members. So yep. fox, coyote, jackal, wild dog. Mm-hmm. Well, these guys aren't any of those. They are their own distinct sub. They're their own genera. Yeah, genera. Yeah. Yeah. So they look, they're called a maned wolf, but they look more like a fox. Mm-hmm. A very um, tall fox. Yeah, they look like a very tall fox. They're called a wolf, but they're closely rela- related to neither. So actually, their closest uh, family member is a, is a bush dog. Oh. Um, so they have, they're the only member of their genus, which is Cryrocyon, as I, so I nailed earlier in yeah. this podcast, yeah. um, which means golden dog. Mm, okay, um, cool. So if you ever seen, if you haven't seen one of these, immediately Google them. They are so beautiful. They do not look real. No, they don't. They're, they they they're look like, like nothing else. Magical, legendary animal that I would see in Game of Thrones. Exactly. So imagine you take a kind of fox looking creature, so mm-hmm. they're kind of, their main color is this, is this reddish, like a red, box. reddish brown. Then take their legs and stretch them out really, really far. Then you paint the bottom of their legs black, and then you give them these gigantic ears that are too big for their head. Uh, you dip their tail in white. I think they have white on their chest as well. Sometimes, yeah. And then give them this kind of darkish fuzz around their neck, which is where they get the name maned uh, wolf, is because they kind of have this dark mane around their neck. But uh, one thing that was cool was one conclusion of a study, this was from Wikipedia, is that the Maine wolf is the only species among the large South American canids that survived the late Pleistocene extinction. Wow. So they, so they are ones. quite ancient. Yeah. So the, And it's if you look at them, you're like, yeah, this is not. This is not It's new. not of this era. This is not new. This is old. Um, <laughs> this is old. <laughs> They're uh, known locally as Gagura Guazu, which means yeah, that large fox in Guarani language. They stand about three feet tall at the shoulder, so about a 
a meter mm-hmm. tall, uh, and usually weigh an average around 50 pounds or 23 kilos. Okay. Um, so kind of the weight of an average size dog, but they're taller. <laughs> they, they, they're walking on stilts. It's crazy. Yeah, they are. Like I said, they have giant ears. So their ears are aver- average around seven inches. So it's like more than half a foot. Mm-hmm. So imagine like a regular sized dog with giant ears. And they're also pretty round. These satellite ears do come into play later when I talk about their hunting. They're very, very important. Mm. So their range goes from Central and Eastern South America, including Northern Argentina, South and Central Brazil, Paraguay, Bolivia, and Southern Peru. So basically, if you look at South America in the middle. Yeah. Okay. That's where they live. Um, so they inhabit the Cerrado, which I had never heard the term Cerrado before. Um, it is the largest biome in South America. Uh, so it's comprised of multiple um, different habitats, wet and dry forests, grasslands, savannas, marshes, and wetlands. Okay, um, but the... that is referred to collectively, I guess, as the Cerrado, which I've never heard before. That's cool. I didn't know that. They have a very powerful smelling urine. So these guys are actually, they do have main wolves at the National Zoo which is super cool. Uh, they're very, in general, gentle, shy, and timid animals. So they're, a lot of times they're difficult to find at the zoo because they're, they don't, you know, approach the, yeah. the fence or really anything. But you can usually smell them because they're also nicknamed the skunk wolf. The skunk wolf. Yes, they have a very, very powerful smelling urine and they use that a lot to communicate. In terms of communication, they're not, they don't howl. Again, these are not actual they're wolves. They're real wolves. Um, but they do bark. We'll bark, bark to bark, communicate. Bark. Oh my gosh. When I go to the dog park and a dog barks, I respond with bark. <laughs> and the people are like, uh, ma'am. are like, what is what this are, What are you doing? It's really weird. Another cool thing about these main wolves that are not at wolves is that they're uh, omnivores, which uh, wolves are omnivores, but these guys, uh, 50% of their diet will be fruit and veggies. They have a nice balanced diet oh my going gosh. on. I didn't know that. Yeah, um, up to fifty percent. So you know up they can to, eat. Okay. I, again, it's all going to depend on what is available. Mm-hmm. But there is a a local fruit. I think it's a fruit. Yes, it's a fruit called the lobira. L o b e i r a, whose name actually means fruit of the wolf. So it is something that they typically eat. Uh, yeah. And it's a small tomato-like berry. So it's a fun berry. I just like picturing like something that you think of like if you think of something about a wolf like just eating its veggies, eat, eating berries. But again, it's not a wolf. But they'll also eat small rodents, rabbits, and insects. So they're not big prey hunters. Um, they do hunt. They are solitary hunters. Yeah. So we do. These guys are not pack animals. And like I said, they have these super super large ears mm-hmm. that they use to listen for prey, and they can rotate them around to kind of figure out where prey is coming right. from, Very... which is legit receptive ears legit satellites like you gotta put them the right way make sure you're getting that right frequency which is very interesting i think we touched on this in our last episode talking about animals that have large ears Mm -hmm. and there are different reasons for that depending on where animals are found yeah i don't know if we talked about it but like in this instance these air these ears are being used as like satellites they're receiving information so they are large for hearing Whereas animals typically found in deserts that have big ears, they're actually used as like a cooling mechanism. And then you can think of some of our domesticated species that have long ears, like a basset hound or something. Oh my god. They have long ears because it actually helps to collect 
smells for them because they're so close to the ground and as they're sniffing it collects and traps oh, it collects a lot smells. of stuff my grandmother raised basset hounds no. <laughs> I just remember that their ears would always be wet whenever we go over oh, oh you're like you're super cute just and you're like so wiggling their, their saggy face around and all of a sudden you're damp and you're like what I don't oh yeah so they're ho- solitary solitary hunters solitary hunters using those large ear stilson for prey there are a couple of ways they go about looking for their prey. This was my favorite, is that they'll tap their foot on the ground to flush out prey and then pounce on it. Oh. And I just think of that as the most precious little thing. That is just so sophisticated. Like, are you there, prey? Boop, 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 boop. And then they're like, <laughs> But like, especially because they have like such long legs. Like I just picture like a little ballerina. <laughs> Tapping, excuse me, excuse oh me. God. I don't know what. Excuse me, that's, Apparently it's my ballerina accent. I don't know what's happening. Oh my gosh, I love it. But yes, it'll tap on their ground, uh, on their ground, on the ground to flush out prey. Uh-huh. Um, they'll also dig for burrowing prey. Mm-hmm. So that's why those ears are very important to listen for things crawling all the way underground. They'll also leap into the air to capture birds or insects. Which is like, oh my gosh, them. they're ballerina. Leaping up and everywhere. So they're super cute. They are monogamous, so they live in monogamous pairs. Oh, and I lovely. guess occasionally they'll hunt kind of together, but generally it's just for, for mating purposes. Okay. Um, and like I said, they're gentle, shy, and timid. These guys are actually fairly common in zoos. Uh, I really? think part of it is because they're so unique looking. But Art also... attraction, I suppose. Yeah. Except you can't really see them when you're there. That's true. If you think about it, you're like, hmm. But another thing is that they are, um, well, I'll, which I'll get to because I just realized I'm skipping part of my notes, um, is that they have a big uh, SSP or species survival plan, um, which a lot of zoos will, uh, SSP will be set up for an animal that is either vulnerable, vulnerable or threatened, depends on their status, they're in some kind of danger, mm-hmm. and then zoos will work across um, to preserve their genes kind of thing, and then also work with wild populations as well. But real quick before I get to their conservation, because I forgot, I skipped the most, the part, I tell people this fact a lot, is that they are a great example of convergent evolution. Do you know what convergent evolution is? No, Ashley, why don't you tell me? I will. So they are a great example, but the most popular example, if you learn about it, is thinking, if you think about birds and bats. So they're an independent evolution of similar feature in different species. So bats and birds are... I mean, they're related, but they're very, 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 very distantly related. So they evolved the ability to fly in different ways. Mm -hmm. But what I really like about, if you think about maned wolves, so they have these extremely long legs, Mm -hmm. which are very useful because they typically hunt in grasslands. So it gives them that height to see above the grass. Mm -hmm. And do you know what a serval cat is? Yes. So serval cats live in Africa. These guys live in South America. Serval cats also have long legs. They mm-hmm. also have yes. they have the they longest really legs funny. relative to their, to their body, body. Yeah. in all cats. But they also hunt in tall savanna grasses. Yeah. So they these cats over in Africa, Africa have the same evolutionary trait oh, yeah. as these canids in South, South America. America. That's super. Which cool. I just that those kind of things just like. like like nature just figured out what works. And they're like, oh, oh, we'll just we'll just stretch them out. And then, <laughs> we'll just stretch them out. We'll just stretch them out. And then they can oh see over these so tall- cool. Like, like oh, I'm gonna put a cat here, kind of smaller than most mm-hmm, of the big mm-hmm, predator mm-hmm. cats. But uh, let's let's just make his legs longer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, can, he, he, he can see. He doesn't have to be tall. He can he see just, over the just grass. Long legs. Oh, you got you got a dog over in South America. Just 
Yeah, I know what works. Just make his legs real I long. I did it over there. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. But it's just one of those things that it's just uh, one of the that I love that you see in nature where there's a, a niche that needs to be filled, and they're like, mm-hmm. yep. Make him real tall. Make work well. But yeah, so, so cool. maned wolves in South America and several cats in Africa. Um, both awesome. gassy over those tall savanna gar- grasses, which is, again, I just think so cool. Now, in terms of their conservation. Yeah, let's talk. Uh, <laughs> let's talk. Let's get down to business. So they are RUCN redlisted as near threatened. Okay. However, the Brazilian redlist and U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service endangered species list that's a whole thing, mm-hmm. lists them as endangered. Yeah, that's what um, I thought they were. Yes. Most people I would consider them endangered. Main reason is, surprise, humans! Yeah, habitat destruction. We're the best. Uh, primarily for agriculture. Mm. Um, so they're tearing down forests so that they to can... make farms. Yep. Farms, crops, cows, all that fun stuff. And also highway construction are Ooh, two of the main shit, things. That's awful. Apparently, the Cerrado, so remember, that's basically the, the biome. The biome um, has been reduced to 20% of its original size. So it's no surprise oh gosh, that there's so literally sad. no place for them oh to live. Oh my gosh, we are just ruining this planet. And then on top of that, these guys are pretty regularly also killed by cars. Because they're tearing down forests and they're putting a highway there instead. Which, if, you know, over the course of a couple of years, this animal comes back and they don't. They're like, oh, this is new, and they don't know what a car is. Yeah. And I believe one website listed it as, like, ba- due to a disregard for speed limits or something like that. And I was like, that's sassy, but also true. Yeah. Sometimes they are killed for their body parts. People do think that they their eyes have magical powers, um, so they'll use them as good luck charms, which... human Humans and their superstitions. Right? Like, no. Listen. Mm-mm. You can have your superstitions, but as long as it doesn't kill anything else. That's my rule. So I just think... Like animal body parts belong on the animal. Right. They're doing they're doing more good on that animal than they are on you. Like exactly. how would you like it if somebody was like, Ooh, she's got such pretty blue eyes. I think they'll bring me luck. Let me kill her. Right? Or ah! stupid. Oh my gosh. Another problem, uh, similar to what we talked about last uh, episode with the African wild dog is domestic dogs possess a threat, mm. both a direct threat in terms yeah. of they could be attacked by um, an improperly raised domestic dog, but also disease transmission. Mm-hmm. Um, so since they're uh, a canid, it's very easy for diseases like rabies to be transferred to yeah. a maned wolf. Now, like I said, I, I mentioned the SSP or Species Survival Plan. So the National Zoo in, in Washington, D.C. is part of this, and a lot of AZA-accredited zoos, which is mm-hmm. yep. uh, the Association of Zoos and Aquariums, mm-hmm. or it's basically really good zoos, uh, are part of these programs that work across zoos to make sure they maintain genetic diversity among captive populations. Yeah. And they have this, they have this whole kind of system of making sure that when they breed animals that they're staying as far away genetically so there's no incest or inbreeding or anything like that. But they also work a lot with wild conservation efforts. But through the research that they're doing, they discovered this thing, which is, I don't know how they figured this out, but apparently the typical wild maned wolf only has one kidney. What? (laughs) Right? And then it got, they got even more specific, saying the right one being destroyed by the effects of the giant kidney worm. So apparently, there's a thing called a giant kidney worm. And it likes only the right kidney. That's the thing. That's the thing that I'm like, are you sure? Only the right one? What? Like, I can imagine, like, a kidney. But they specified right kidney. 
But so this is so weird, right? So what? they found that wild Maine wolves typically only have one kidney because they will get this They're giant like, well, kidney. I don't want to have this other kidney because it's just gonna get eaten right? by a worm. What if they like evolved a third kidney? And like, like this is like, the worm kidney. <laughs> or they were like, well, we don't need that right kidney anymore, but let's evolve two left kidneys, right? Stacked on top of each other. So many that's kidneys. So weird. That's very. It was very. I if that's specific. why their urine is so stinky. Because they're. <gasps> Could you? That might be. Because like they can't filter it out. I'm a scientist. You're a scientist. <laughs> um, but speaking of scientists, they are doing some cool research. So some of the research involves chemical communication about reproduction in the main wolf, um, and non-invasive DNA analysis. So that's like taking poop and seeing what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> but so there's lots of research efforts because of this SSP. And current population estimate is 17,000 mature individuals. Okay. That's all right. That's all right. They're doing, could they're be, okay. Could be better. Mm-hmm. Could be worse. Yeah. Could be a lot worse. Gotta deal with what we gotta deal with. But if you're in Washington, D.C., head on over and then stand by their exhibit for about an hour and you might see them. You might get a glimpse. But when you do, they're so cool. Do they're you know, out of this world. Are they... Primarily nocturnal, daytime, uh, Crepuscular, mainly. So crepuscular means active at dawn and dusk, yeah. um, which is what a lot of, a animals, lot of animals are, are. because it's not completely night, um, yeah. but you're not in the heat of the day. Exactly. But yeah, so not super active during the day, like cooler weathers. Fun zoo tip. If you do want to go to the zoo, do not go at in really day. hot summer or peak day. Yeah. Go when it's a little bit cooler. Animals will be more active. <laughs> Just so you know. Just a fly. But yeah, so that's uh the maned wolf. Alright, I'm ready. Okay. I know I know you're doing a bird. A bird. I'm doing <gasps> a bird. A bird. So I'm doing a flightless bird. <gasps> Again. I know. That was kind of <laughs> unintentional, but these are also Is it another penguin? It's not another okay. penguin. So I don't think we're ready for another penguin. Um only found <gasps> in one part of the world. Can I guess? Yes. Is it a mm. It's not a kiwi. It is! <laughs> Good, because there's another flightless bird only found in one other part of the world that right. I want to do, and I was like, is it that one? Do you want to do the cassowary? Yeah. I knew it. No. Oh. No. An emu? No. Okay. It's just a giant ground parrot. Oh, yes. I remember you talking about this guy. Okay. I got really excited. I just heard you say a word, and I was like, yes! yes. No, it was like, no, oh, no. Cassowaries are Cassowaries really cool. are really cool, but they're also really aggressive. That's true. Okay, so I am talking about the kiwi bird today. Can you guess where they are found? <gasps> where New all Zealand. the other kiwis are found. Yeah, where all the other kiwis are. Their Latin name is Apteryx, and they are the unofficial symbol. That's it? They don't get a genus and a species? No. Rude. Well, Apteryx mantelli, but there there are different subspecies of kiwi, so gotcha. that's where you get the extra. Word. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So yeah, they're like the unofficial symbol of New Zealand because it's a symbol of uniqueness, and New Zealand is such an incredible, beautiful, unique part of the world. It's appropriate. Yeah, it's like practically Middle Earth. Um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they are very they're not very tiny but they are small birds they could like fit in the crook of your arm oh my goodness Ooh. they burrow because <gasps> they can't fly and they because they have evolved to not fly they have like pretty useless wings mm-hmm. and <laughs> their fur their feathers have oh. evolved to look more like fur. So if you Google a picture of oh these God, guys, they're so... they just look furry. They don't look feathery. They're just, and they're so, aren't they like super round? They're just super round. Imagine just like a really large egg 
with a head and a long, super long beak that <laughs> they use to like poke around in the dirt and ground to find prey. Mm. On this episode food. on Maggie and Ashley describe weird looking animals, uh, we were oh featuring the main wolf and the kiwi. Oh my gosh. So they can live uh, 25 to 50 years. Holy crap. They are monogamous and their relationships can last up to 20 years. Oh my god, that's more than any of my relationships. <laughs> well, you're not even like 20. That's true. <laughs> okay, how about 20 weeks? Yes. <laughs> um, with their long beaks, they are great smellers. Long beak, good smell. That's just like me. <laughs> do you have a long beak? I don't know. You're, do you think your nose is big? Yeah, I do. Oh, I don't think so. Oh, thanks. I think it's petite. Also, with the kiwi bird, they are very territorial. And one bird was infamous for attacking people's shins and then running off to hide. Oh, God! What a little asshole! I know! Nothing's worse than getting attacked with Which is hysterical, and I only found out about this one particular bird and, like, how we learned that they're very territorial, because when you Google kiwi bird, one of the top questions that pops up, like, Uh auto-populates is, are kiwi birds nice? (laughs) And there are these people being like, fuck no! Yeah, I know. Um, so... That's crazy. Uh, they also have, like, this this very distinct call. I can't really imitate it. I but I want it. you to try. No, I'll play it for uh, the, the peoples. They sound so scared. I know. They're like, fuck! Oh, God! Get out of my turf! I feel like if that something approached me, because how tall are how tall are they? They're very small. They're, oh my gosh, shush. Um, they're, <laughs> quiet. <laughs> it's going for my shins. They um, how big are they? I think the reason that they get to people's shins is because people are like, oh my god, you're so cute, making the most precious noise, and right. then they're like, oh shit. <laughs> oh my gosh, why are you so aggressive? Get away from my shins. Oh my gosh. Uh, mm. It's funny. I don't actually know how big they are. Oh. I feel like they're the size of like a soccer ball, yeah. a child soccer ball. Yeah. Like a size four soccer ball. If you know soccer, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I don't. Okay. But um, thanks for the reference. How do I not? Do you remember how much you you, you yelled at me for not knowing the size of a medium-sized woodpecker? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Just wanted to make sure. Okay. So kiwi thing. birds can get up to about 45 centimeters. That's 18 inches. See? I told you. It's small. They could fit in the crook of your arm. So that's it's like. a soccer ball. It's like your wine bottle, right? Yeah, but they're round. So let's go with soccer ball. Soccer ball. Oh, they're so cute. Okay, so... Fuzzy soccer ball. Fuzzy soccer Attacking ball. Attacking your shit. Oh my gosh, they are adorable. With a beak. So, let's talk about what I think is the most fascinating fact about them. Let's do it. Females lay one of the largest eggs in relation to their size in the bird kingdom. I... The egg will take up 20% of the bird's body. <laughs> let's Let's break that down. A human baby only takes up 5% and of a mother's from body. From what I hear from my mother, that's not comfortable. Like, that, oh. imagine, let me let me put this into perspective for all the mothers out there. Happy Mother's Day. Imagine giving birth to a 30-pound baby. Fuck no. That's what the kiwi bird does. <laughs> they, uh, so obviously they just lay one egg at a time. <laughs> imagine, like, they couldn't fit two they eggs in there. They couldn't fit two eggs in there because it takes up their whole fucking body. So what also, what's fascinating is um, their organs will compress and not sh- not shrink, but the, the body just knows to like recompartmentalize everything internally to make room for this growing egg, which is fascinating. Excuse me. <laughs> You're excused. Chicks are never fed by their parents. 
And they just have to fend for themselves, which is... <gasps> okay, so are they super altricial? No, you don't know. Have New we part. talked altricial precocial? We have, and I forget. Okay, so I think... Know, we're drinking every time we talk about this. This is true. Precocial is they're relatively mature at birth. Mm, so right. if you think of like deer, they're relatively mm-hmm. precocial. I mean, they still or need their parents. Or throwback of Saiga. Yes, 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 yes. Or things that are ultra-shrill are, like, if you think of, like, most baby birds that are, like, super gross and bald and need a lot of assistance. Um, Humans are are ultra-shrill when they're born. They're not very developed. But if you think about a kiwi, if they have this giant egg, they're probably relatively mature in that. Because they're so yeah, they do. They hatch pretty like, big. They hatch as mini adults. Yeah, fully feathered, eyes open. Oh yeah, eyes open. That's like key to being yeah. precocial. Yeah. So they are relatively able to fend for, for themselves, themselves. For, from birth <laughs> because their mom has to go through. Their mom is just like I can't even with She's you. Like, this anymore. was enough. I can't do it anymore. It's insane. I can't imagine. Getting back to how the, some of the personality traits of kiwi birds, they also have really great memories. What? And how we know that is because kiwi birds who have been in zoos or captivity, mm-hmm. or even some in the wild, I read, they can't be fooled twice by playback noises on a device. So, like, for example, when scientists are trying to study them, like, get them to react to noises or come out from hiding or, you know, become more active or whatever, they will play a kiwi bird noise or some other noise. Uh-huh. And the kiwi bird will respond, and then if the noise is played once again, and they realize, nope, that wasn't a real thing. They're like, dude, like, nah. It's exactly the same. I know. Fool it's me once, shame, shame on, on you. What? <laughs> Fool me that. twice. Okay, so the closest living relative to a kiwi bird yes. is the elephant bird in Madagascar. What? There's isn't an that, elephant bird. There is, and isn't that cool? Because these are both. Birds found on extremely, rem- not extremely, but remote islands. Maybe one island nation. just floated over to the other island yeah. millions of years ago. You know how birds float through the yeah. air. So the elephant bird is another flightless you, bird. You know how flightless birds float through the air? <laughs> <laughs> all right, so there's some there's some problems in my theory, to. but yeah, that's all right. Sorry. No one does. Sorry. No, I do sometimes. So great news. Kiwi birds are... Just vulnerable, not endangered. <laughs> Great news. They're just vulnerable uh, to death. The, the biggest threats that they face are actually dogs and cats, which will prey on them. Which makes sense because they can't fly and get they away. They can't get away, these little burrowing beauties. <laughs> these burrowing beauty birds. They really are just so cute. Poor as well feet. as habitat loss, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Humans well, just... I was going to say, and being confined to one island. Yeah. So, so it is, I mean, they're, they're so restricted, right? So if the population declines, then of course they are in jeopardy. So there's actually been a lot of reintroduction efforts, or not reintroduction, but, um. Introduction? Yeah. So recovery efforts, I should say, um, throughout New Zealand. And these birds are just so cherished by indigenous people as well as the, Local communities. communities. So every effort is being made right now to repopulate the islands so that kiwi birds are thriving throughout again. Kind of funny side story. In 2015, New Zealand had a flag contest. Are you familiar with this? Did you know this? So New Zealand wanted to change their national flag because it resembles Australia's national flag so much. Uh And, like, there would be pictures of New Zealand's prime minister and... 
the Australian flag next to him, and he'd be like, this is not our flag! <laughs> so they had a contest in 2015 to develop a new national flag, and anyone in the country could submit um, a... Um, flag? Like an option. A selection. A design? A design, that's it. <laughs> so this, this flag contest, anybody in the country could submit a design, and some people submitted flags with kiwi birds on them. Yeah! Because it's like their national symbol. Uh, ultimately, no design won, and they still have the same flag. Oh, wow. That seems <laughs> right. like a waste of time. Right? So, yes, there have been a number of introductory or recovery plans in action. There's not a lot of research or news out on the kiwi birds because, A, they are not super threatened. As I mentioned, they're vulnerable, but they're not a primary concern. The people of New Zealand cherish them, but kind of got a handle on things. Mm. There's not a ton of research about them beyond that, but they are a fascinating bird because of, because of the way they have evolved with these long beaks that can take care of, like, digging into ground, and their beak is, like, half of their body size. It's insane. That's crazy. And anyway, giving birth to, like, a 30-pound baby. Right? I can't, I can't handle that. Can't imagine. So, that's the kiwi bird. <gasps> I love them. Let's go to New Zealand. Did you know that the dads incubate the eggs? What? I guess, again, like, well, the mom they're just laid an egg and so... she's just like, I can't. Wait, do they just solely incubate or do they, like, switch on and off? No. That's so crazy. It's the dad solely <gasps> and they do so for, like, 60 days. There's a bird, some kind of, like, bush turkey or brush turkey or something like that. And they make these big old nests of, like, dead leaves and decomposing matter, which oh, yeah. generate heat because yeah. of their decomposing. And the egg is laid in there, and basically this bird pops out, and there's no one around anymore. So, like, they build this giant leaf nest thing, and they lay that, put the egg in it. It incubates it because of the decomposing matter, and then just, boop, perfect little tiny turkey pops out. Hello. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, that's funny. So that's what I, that's what I think of when I think of, like, super precocial birds. They're just like, boop, I'm ready to go. They're just mini like versions. Yeah, pretty much. Oh my goodness. I should figure out what bird that is. I think it's like a brush turkey or something like that. No. I don't know. Yeah, birds are cool. So, so should we turn to our mermaid's purse? Yeah. Do you want me to pull from our mermaid's purse? Or yeah, you? do you have it up? I do. Okay. From last time. Yeah, what are we going to do? Like, I'm like half looking. Look at me. Let's, what is it? Let's talk about the mandrel. <gasps> oh, because they look so weird. They are so strange. Uh, right. So, Mandrill, we got uh, Primate. Mm-hmm. They're the ones with the giant butts, Face. right? Uh, Face? Butts? Well, Everything's got big, bold butts. They kind of look like Rafiki, even though he's a baboon. Yes. These guys, they they look a lot like baboons, to an extent. But their face is very unique. They have got bright, bright faces, like a, a pink oh. nose and mouth, blue on their face. What always made me, what always like surprising about mandrels is that they look like part of their face is made of plastic almost. Yeah, it doesn't look real. Because it's like so naked and bare and then also so bright. It's like red, blue, it's, and yeah. white and like I don't know what the evolutionary crazy. purpose of that brightness is. It's, it's probably to attract a mate, right? I was gonna say it's definitely gotta be one of those um sexual 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 selection kind of deal. Yeah. Well the male with the brightest but. weird ass nose and butt. 
<laughs> it's going to be slow. That's how I choose a mate. Right? I'm like, well, you've got a big-ass nose and your ass is... <laughs> I'm stopping. I'm stopping before I get behind. Uh, so according to the IUCN, they are vulnerable. And they're one of the world's largest... No, they are the world's largest monkey. Oh! And they're an old world monkey. So that basically just means they live in Africa. Yes. <laughs> they're crazy colored. Because... The picture I'm looking at? The most sexually dimorphic mammals due to extremely strong sexual selection, which favors males in both size and coloration. Whoa! So, for those of you who don't know, sexual dimorphism is the condition where the two sexes of the same species exhibit different characteristics beyond the differences in their sexual organs. So, like, we see that a lot in ducks. Yeah. You know, mallards. The yeah. female looks totally different and from the male. And most birds. Most birds. The really colorful ones are going to be males. And then the praying, praying, plain colored birds. Think of a peacock. Yep. So, a peacock is actually the male bird. Technically, the species is peafowl. Mm-hmm. So, you have a peacock and a right. peahen. The peacocks are the ones with the big bright feathers, this amazing tail, and then the peahens are a lot simpler. Oh my god. Anyway, that is interesting. It they looks like their the face is just like sexually dimorphic mammal. molded from clay, like yeah. Play-Doh. Yeah, like it's who crazy. Who put this guy together? I gotta say, I don't, I didn't, when I was in Africa, I did not see mandrels. I saw baboons. They were mm-hmm. baboons that came through our camp, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. I think I would be terrified to see a mandrel because they have gigantic teeth. Teeth. They do have big teeth. They have big, uh, what are the big ones in the front? Canines. Canines. And just, like, I've definitely seen video of them being, like, crazy, like, like, like the, displaying the, like, and have, like, angry. lips curled, like, <sighs> kind of deal. And, uh, that's, primates in general freak me out a little bit. Like, in a good way, mm-hmm. sort of. Also, looking at their range, holy fuck is their range small. It is super small. And yet they're they only vulnerable. Right. That's fascinating. Can we, can we work on these statuses? Everything is endangered. Let's be real. I know. Everything but like... Except humans and... Rats. Squirrels. Pigeons. I was, when I was walking here, I almost stepped on a pigeon. Oh my gosh. I almost step on squirrels all the time. They are so bold in this city. It's like, you're not going to step on me. Right? You know what? Maybe I will. Maybe I will. Maybe I will. All right. Well, that was our mermaid's purse for today, huh? Oh my goodness. Eh? Eh? They're just... Oh. I can't stop looking at them. Why is their face so bright? I know it's this whole sexual selection thing, but still. It's really bizarre. Oh. That's the animal kingdom for you. Yeah. <laughs> My goodness. All right, just so a weird. reminder, though we are animal enthusiasts, we are not scientists, so please don't cite us in your academic papers Good or enough. anything official. Please do your research. We just want you to get excited about animals like we are. Thank you for joining us on this episode. Tune in next time when we learn more about animals, their biology and habitat, the threats they face, and what people are doing about it. So long, everybody. So long. Farewell. Bye, 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 bye.